Hello everybody and welcome back to the Catch Call podcast. Today we are continuing on with our series of interviews with lovely nature folk and we have the lovely Siobhan today from Nerdy Naturopath who is a herbalist and naturopath and she's going to talk all about her story uh, with plants, especially the magical plants of Ireland and share her work with us today. How are you Siobhan? Welcome. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm great. I'm I'm delighted to be here and to get this opportunity to yeah, spread the plant magic to more people. I'm always really glad to be able to do that. So thank you. Oh, that's wonderful. And I can see there um in the for folks that are listening, uh, we're on video here, but I can see some lovely herbal herbs, I would say, in those containers. Um so what do you have going on there? So this is my little, this is my, I call it my kitchen apothecary. Um, there are a few plants that I, herbs that I use a lot. So we've got this kind of reddish ones in the middle are rose petals that are dried. And this is um, slippery elm powder. And what else have I got? The sage there. I've been drinking a lot of sage tea recently because my th- I kept getting sore throats. Lovely calendula down here. I'm never without calendula, one of my faves. So they're just some of the herbs that I use. I have a much bigger apothecary um, in another part of my house where, where my clinic is, but I don't have as good internet connection in there. <laughs> but um, so this is my kitchen apothecary and then I've got my office apothecary too. Wow. And would you use that office as well for like all the drying and all that stuff? Or do you do that in a separate place? Yeah, for that's where I, I at the moment I will pick things for myself and use them myself. I don't have a huge capacity for growing and harvesting many plants that I use for my clients. I mostly buy in my tinctures that I use in my clinic. Um and the same with a lot of these dried dried herbs that I'd use on on mats. Um but um but yeah, I always have something something on the go. Every time I'm out for a walk I'm picking something or other of um Got my tea here that I made this morning that has uh, loads of cleavers in it, and then also lemon balm at the bottom, dried lemon balm, which I my my baby lemon balms have. They're tiny still; they haven't quite come back big enough for me to be having fresh lemon balm just yet. So oh, yummy! And <laughs> do you have dried? Would you have them in pots now? Yeah, loads of things grow really, really well in pots. Um, I just did a really amazing talk. Uh, um, I have this on Instagram on Mondays. I do a show called Plant Magic Mondays. I'll have to have you on sometime maybe to talk about the bees. It would be lovely. I'd really like that. Um, but um, yeah, like so many of them grow in plants. And we just had a chat about growing plants with um, my friend Marina, who grows all these baby herbs in her plant nursery. And you can buy them online. Um, their site is ivywood.ie and you can just so many of these incredible medicinal plants that can just grow in pots now I have lemon balm in my front garden just because I'm really happy for it to spread and it's amazing lemon balm is just such a gorgeous plant if if you're not familiar with it it's mm-hmm. like it just smells incredible like lemon but it's a, it's in the mint family so mint like spread like crazy <laughs> So I have all these tiny little lemon balms that are like coming up through the rocks in my driveway. It's amazing. Okay. <laughs> and I'm, well, I'm really happy about it. I think a lot of people wouldn't. So those are the kind of mints and things for if you don't want them to spread like that, definitely put them in a pot. <laughs> but I get so excited every time a new little lemon balm comes out. I'm like, oh, I, no. I actually love lemon balm and fennel as well. I think they're amazing in drinking them. Yeah. Oh, they're just divine. And uh, lemon balm, interesting that I have started talking about lemon balm of all things and was drinking it today because lemon balm is called Melissa officinalis and Melissa comes from honeybee in Latin. So it's uh, it's really interesting. <laughs> Maybe that's why I love it so much. Maybe it's a bee plant. 
Oh my goodness, there's the connection. Mm. It just keeps connecting more and more and more and more, you know, and weaving. And I'm like, oh my God, and this and this and this. And as well, yeah, um, well, we could out, we could, we won't go ahead now and do a B talk. This is about you, but just to <laughs> tell people that, like, the, um, you know, when I do my workshops and stuff, I, I show people how um, you can get wild or you can attract in wild bees. And one of the key components is lemongrass oil. Oh, wow. So again, connection of lemon. So mm-hmm. she, the queen has her pheromone and it's very much like that. So wow. when, when I go to get the wild bees, I put that into the new box or the hive and I put it on the combs and the wax and all that and the bees come, you know. Incredible. I love that. <laughs> That's fabulous. <laughs> so cool. So just put all the lemongrass and the lemon balm and all that around your house and you'll be a queen bee in no time. <laughs> um yeah so and what would be like your um go-to at the moment so you you said your lemon balms out in your garden and cleavers you mentioned yeah at the moment cleavers is really big for me I think it's just growing so abundantly everywhere um and it's really supportive of the lymphatic system and it's something I really need on an ongoing basis basis lymphatic support for whatever reason it's um in uh, iridology which is the study of the iris anyone with blue eyes needs extra support for their lymphatic system i definitely find it to be true for me and um, but particularly any of us at this time of the year cleansing through the lymphatic system is just great after you know winter coming into spring our bodies are just ready for it for whatever reason so and um, the plants are are there for us when we need them and the cleavers are definitely popping up everywhere for me um I pick the cleavers and I, I I put them in my tea. So I'll have like a hot water extraction, but I also just pick cleavers and put them in a jug of water and drink the kind of cleavers water, leave it to infuse for a couple of hours, sometimes overnight and, and just drink it through my water throughout the day. And it's so yummy. You know, it's got this sort of, uh, it just tastes like spring to me. Some people say mm. it tastes kind of like grass, but <laughs> kind of grassy water so it depends on your taste but for me it's very spring-like you know um mm. and yeah so that's one I'm working with a lot at the moment um yeah ah, lovely um and where like when you were coming along this path before your training were you very drawn to plants or how did it all mm. come about for you yeah, I was, um, I always loved flowers, um, particularly, and yeah, I loved being outside as a kid, and my mum used to um, joke to me that, you know, she'd, when I was uh, a toddler, so I, I lived in London when I was little, until I was two and a half, so it would have been before I was two and a half, so when I was quite small um, in London, when she'd try and walk to the shops um, during the day with me, that it would take so long because I had to stop for every single flower um, and to talk to it and pick flowers. And I just always loved flowers. So, yeah, that was definitely part of um, my my upbringing and growing up was just a, a love of plants. My granny was a gardener and um, she had an amazing garden. I actually just recently got this gorgeous picture um, framed of her um in her garden uh, with me when I was really little and so I think there's that in in my bones my lineage a little bit that love of of gardening and plants um but yeah I I guess I became quite disconnected from it growing up I really had sort of lofty goals and ideals for what I wanted to do I 
studied politics in college and I had this dream of being the first female Taoiseach and changing the world, you know. <laughs> um, and I always, I always used plants. My mom was a hurt. My mom was really into herbal medicine and homeopathy. So I always had like echinacea when I was sick and my mom would take me to a homeopath when there was other stuff going on. And um, so there was, all, it was always part of my life, but it was never something I thought I would do. You know, I um, never wanted to be like a doctor, you know, even though I was just kind of like, high achiever in school I never thought I'd want to do medicine just I didn't want to like work with sick people you know the thought of it I wasn't interested I really wanted to change the world and then I went after college um I worked in Washington DC for a while for a congressman and very quickly realized you know I'm not going to make any difference in politics (laughs) it's just it's not the place for me and it's actually just yeah there was there was very little um positive (laughs) outcome from what I experienced in my time there so I left and then I I went to India and became a yoga teacher and that was kind of the, the my step in my my step into my eat pray love yeah. version of my life yeah. um and when I was studying yoga in um the second yoga course I did in Rishikesh I met um two gorgeous Australian uh, women who were studying naturopathy and I had never heard of this thing called naturopathy um and it really intrigued me because I liked homeopathy and it was mostly homeopaths that I went to see when I was little. Um, but there was something about, there was some sort of disconnect for me about these like little white pills that you were just given. It, it, I didn't really understand it. And it was, um, when I learned about naturopathy, it was this really interesting, broad kind of field where it, nutrition was important and lifestyle and the things I was learning in yoga and all of the different um things about yogic lifestyle was all part of this naturopathy field and I just thought it was so interesting and then herbal medicine was part of that and I was like oh yeah they're all the plants that I use all the time um at home and um homeopathy was a part of it too so it was this much broader spectrum of healing that I didn't really know existed and so when I came home I started looking into places I could study it and there was a college in Dublin and I was like what <laughs> how is this here and I didn't know about it and so yes I signed up and and um, that was that was my my journey into I initially wanted to actually study homeopathy as part of naturopathy and homeopathy um but the homeopathy course was stopped so I was like okay maybe herbal medicine would be cool as well so I went and um the more I learned about herbal medicine the more I fell in love with the plants you know um a lot of what we learned in college was very clinical and theoretical uh so when I finished studying I went to America to work on a herbal medicine farm Mm. and it was just the most amazing experience to be outside all day surrounded by plants weeding and harvesting and you know it was really funny we would be like weeding nettles away from like a patch of dandelions and then in the next little patch we'd be weeding the dandelions away from the nettles like it was really bizarre because because it was this large-scale herbal farm so they had to grow things in certain kind of batches so it was easier to harvest so it was just so funny being out with the plants all day um and then whatever you know we were weeding we were there were still all herbs we would take them home and make medicines with them so it was a lot of fun so um yeah it was um one thing led to another I suppose it's all snowballed and now I'm just obsessed with plants that lovely story and for anybody listening would you be able to tell us the difference between naturopath and homeopath for anybody who's totally new and no idea yeah great question so a naturopath is a sort of a 
broad term for a natural health practitioner. Um, in America, naturopaths and Canada as well, I think, are um, you can train for like six years full time and get a an ND instead of an MD, medical doctor after their name, they have an ND and they're like a, natur a naturopathic doctor. So you can get a natu naturopathic doctor that sometimes naturopathic doctors will work a lot with medicines as well. And they'll sometimes prescribe pharmaceuticals and various different things. And then generally this training in Ireland, you train as a naturopathic practitioner. So that's what I am. I'm a naturopath in the kind of naturopathic practitioner side rather than I'm not a doctor, you know, whereas they're trained also as a doctor. So I can prescribe medications or tell you to come off certain medications or anything like that. You know, it's, um, uh, they're just, it, it depends on where you are in the world, what a naturopath means, you know, and what, what they do. And it depends on the individual naturopath as well. <laughs> but a lot of naturopaths will say work also with herbal medicine or with homeopathy or with acupuncture, say, or various different healing modalities. A lot of nutrition and lifestyle and things would be involved in naturopathy. Then for a herbalist, which is what I am as well, it's particularly working with these plants, with the herbs. You know, initially I thought um, I was... I didn't think I knew very much about herbs and I just thought I was kind of into nutrition and food and you know I would when I was sick I'd make up ginger tea for myself or you know there's different remedies that you can make with things in your kitchen and I didn't realize that that's actually herbal medicine you know so those plants like even eating garlic when you're you know adding garlic to your food it's obviously just great nutrition um and but it's also you know really medicinal so you can take garlic in different ways to make it medicinal you know you can take extra garlic in your diet when you're a little bit sick and it's going to support your immune system and that's using herbal medicine um so yeah um herbal medicine is particularly working with the herbs and then homeopathy is a whole nother kind of school of healing um, which is, I think, maybe about 250, 300 years old. It's, herbalism has been, her, herbalism is basically medicine that we have used forever yeah. <laughs> until the pharmaceutical industry came along and started isolating compounds from these herbs and patenting them and um, making them have all these side effects instead of side benefits. Because when you isolate one compound from a plant, often it has side effects. So herbal medicine is basically medicine <laughs> from our history, whereas homeopathy is a sort of different, newer um, way of healing, of using the energetics of various things, sometimes plants, but also, you know, various body parts or like there's one sepia comes from squid ink and they basically take um, a, a tiny, tiny amount of this substance, dilute it down so much that if you looked at it with a microscope, it would, wouldn't look like it had any of that material in it anymore. Um, so scientifically, it makes no sense. It's like, but what I like to think about it is, it's just that the science hasn't caught up yet because it's keeping this energetic imprint of a substance in these generally little white sugar pills that they hold the, the energy in. And um, But it's really powerful. And I used it my whole life and I've always found it really amazing um but it's just something that's really not proven by science yet they have a lot of studies that will say you know this actually works but they just don't know how and it's the same a lot for many plants like you know there is a huge amount of research if you look on somewhere like pubmed which is like a um, database for searching for research there's so much research on all these different herbal medicines um 
even like in the last couple of years with in relation to COVID, like there's so much research that has been done on plants, but it's obviously just not made it to the kind of mainstream because it's just not the, <laughs> the thing they're promoting. But there is a lot of research there for these plants um, and they can really understand physiologically how they work. So they work on that energetic level as well. Often, you know, sometimes you can even just sit with a plant. You can be out for a walk and, and be talking to, talking to a plant. I talk to plants. Maybe not everyone's into talking to plants, but, you know, you get that. Everybody who listens to the podcast is. Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. You're my people then. That's they will be now. <laughs> So you know you do you get that energetic medicine from the plants as well just from even being with the plants but you do also get a very physiological response to taking herbal medicines in a different way than um with homeopathy so that's kind of the biggest difference and something interesting as well you said which i think is so important for us humans to realize is that like when we pick up a packet of you know whatever pharma has made like it says side effects, but it's like central nervous system full on effects. It's not, they're not side effects. They're full on effects no, in the nervous system. You know, yeah, it's just, they totally minimize it. It's like side effects. I'm like, no, they're full yeah. on effects. <laughs> like May cause death. <laughs> I know yeah. it's mad. And like the thing, like, you know, as you said, like, like it's all coming from nature, like that's how yeah. we are that's how like we have evolved 80, you know we yeah 80 to 90 percent of all of our pharmaceuticals are originally from plants you know um and i think still i'm not sure of the exact statistics but somewhere around 80 to 90 percent of the entire world's population still uses herbal medicine as their main form of healthcare, which is really astounding really you know it's um it's a large a large part of the world that still relies on these plants amazing isn't it i didn't know that now yeah yeah and it's just in our sort of western societies that we've become very disconnected um mm. some people not all of us <laughs> yeah. i remember i remember all right when i was sick in um guatemala and this man he kept he was climbing up these hills every day getting me lemon balm like it was so funny like every day wow. he'd be climbing up and he'd be bringing hordes of it down to me and he's like that will cure you you know and all the different countries you go to especially that are less developed they they have their advantages in a way because they're still dependent on the land and they still know all that you know yeah um yeah it's amazing isn't it amazing yeah or like I remember when I was in the Galapagos and they'd have like a ship come in every um it was every few weeks the ship would come so we were very we had a very like limited food diet, but like we would literally cycle up into the countryside and we'd just go into the farms, the abandoned farms, and we'd just find all the food and all the herbs and we'd cycle back with backpacks and like that was the diet, you know? Wow, amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, it was amazing. Um and for um what would be like like common ailments that people would come with and maybe some remedies if anybody's I don't know, maybe anxiety or insomnia or, you know, things like that. If any tips for me in my clinic, the most things that I, the, my sort of clinic speciality, I guess, is women's health and particularly around menstrual health. So I deal a lot with period pain and PMS and then more kind of things that would need more clinical support, I suppose, like endometriosis and PCOS and fertility issues and things like that. Um, but, um, 
a lot of the time people will come to me initially for those kind of issues and then they may come back for you know they may need more support with yeah anxiety or something like you said or um generally just looking for remedies to keep them well like for immunity immune support is something I teach a lot proactively you know because um once people start to incorporate these herbs into their lifestyle which I'm guessing a lot of your listeners here are already it's just great to build up that sort of um toolkit I suppose of um plant allies that can help you when you come down with something and you're not always reaching for you know going into the pharmacy to get something when you're when you know the different herbs that can help that can be really really great so um like just to start with something like say ginger which you know nearly everyone would have in their have access to you know in a supermarket or whatever and ginger is such an amazing plant for the immune system but it's also a plant like a lot of people would think to drink ginger and lemon when they're sick it's you know one of the ones that's kind of managed to stay in the psyche i think yeah yeah, yeah. Um, ginger lemon honey yeah 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 exactly the honey i forgot the honey (laughs) um the um the it's also an amazing herb for period pain so it's um got this real lovely affinity for the womb um it brings extra blood flow to that area so it's an amenagogue it helps to um, clear stagnation um, which is often one of the contributors to pain so if you've got a lot of period pain ginger is brilliant it's also anti-inflammatory and has this sort of pain killing anodyne effect so um I often suggest to people to make ginger tea a bit stronger instead of just slicing up some ginger and putting it in your hot water if you chop up the ginger kind of small and you put it in a, um, a saucepan and put a lid on top and you boil it with the lid on for 10 to 15 minutes. Really important to keep the lid on. Same for if you're making a herbal tea. I'm always banging on about this, but put a lid on top of your herbal tea because it's going to keep some of those medicinal properties inside the cup instead of them all evaporating. So you put the lid on, you boil it for 10 to 15 minutes and it makes a much stronger ginger decoction, we call it. So the ginger decoction is just going to be that bit stronger for whether whether you're sick, you've got a bit of a cold, um, or if you've got really bad period pain also really nice one to drink in labor and you can grate it up and make it into this sort of like put it inside a muslin and use this big thing of load of grated ginger and put it on your back and your stomach and wherever you're feeling pain during labor so you know it's got so many uses ginger um it's also brilliant for um uh digestive issues so if you've got you know gas or bloating or any kind of ibs symptoms ginger is brilliant as well so yeah ginger is a great one um but then you know there's on the other side of that there's like there's herbs that are easily accessible in the supermarket and in the shops and there's also the herbs that are easily accessible growing all around us so say for example something like nettle which is just popping up everywhere at this time of year there's so many great resources on instagram now and pinterest and all these places for these really cool nettle recipes just how to get more nettles into your diet because they're just incredible you know so yes nettle is um really really great herb for menstrual support as well so it's one i often recommend women to drink while they're bleeding and um, really lovely all throughout pregnancy and postpartum as well helps to increase breast milk um, but it's also brilliant for allergies so again it's popping up at this time of the year where it's not quite we're not quite at allergy time yet but all throughout the allergy season, nettle is growing everywhere and it's so good for, it's a really, really great antihistamine. Um, it also is brilliant for arthritis and joint pains, whether that's something that's, you know, a lot of people start getting these aches and pains and joint pains around menopause and nettle is just brilliant for 
helping to reduce the pain of that and, and reduce the inflammation in a similar way that ginger can. So they're both really good ones for so many different things. But um, it also helps to dispel this excess uric acid from the system, which can also often build up and cause arthritic pains. So um, yeah, I wouldn't even know where to go next. There's just so many, so many wonderful herbs to think of. But there's those are the two most, they're the two places I would encourage people to look is what they already have in their kitchen and then what they have growing in their gardens around them. So if in your kitchen you might have cinnamon, like incredible for balancing blood pressure, it's um, really good for heavy periods. So you can take like a teaspoon of cinnamon three times a day if you have a really heavy bleed, particularly happens a lot in perimenopause. Um, and it's just amazing for helping to, to stop that really heavy bleeding um, when the body doesn't need it. It's never gonna have that effect like pharmaceuticals do where it suppresses to the point of being harmful, but it just helps to um, bring things back into balance. So then, would cinnamon you know, be considered a spice and a herb? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so spices are all basically herbs as well. <laughs> and most weeds too. <laughs> so weeds. I just call everything herbs. But yes, loads of these spices, like things like cayenne pepper is an amazing herb. It's um, if you put cayenne pepper directly on a cut, which you might think like, oh yeah, it does sting, but it stops bleeding like that it's so incredible so if you get a, a really bad cut that's bleeding out you just pour some cayenne pepper from your kitchen on it yeah it's going to sting and it's going to get a little bit like gross looking but then when you wash the cayenne pepper off the blood has stopped and then your 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 cut can start to heal um and then similarly there's also stuff you can find in your garden that's good for that so you've got plantain which is growing nearly in everyone's lawn every side of the road and coming out of concrete in the cities like it's everywhere and yeah. if you can just chew that up I wouldn't chew it up now if it's coming off the side of the concrete that the dog might have weed on or that's covered in you know fumes or something but give it a bit of a wash but if you're out in the countryside you don't need to even wash it you can just chew up the leaf and again put it directly on a cut or bee sting or whatever um, and it's really really helpful for for healing so um yeah depending on what you've got in your kitchen herbs and spices and then what's growing in the garden or in the, the land around you, things like dandelions and cleavers, like we mentioned, all these things that are coming back at this time of year. It, there's just such an abundance of medicine everywhere. And again, even people who aren't, you know, maybe nature people, you know, like often I think about, you know, older generations, like our parents or people maybe who might have had that bit more disconnect from nature than, um, than we might, you and I, and maybe some of the listeners might now, they still have so many of these herbs in their um their kitchen you know even if they wouldn't think to go out and actually want to pick the dandelions on the, on the lawn they might be like oh I don't know about that now you know but they've got these herbs already in their kitchen so it's finding for different people depending on who who you are or who you are trying to persuade into the herbal land with you it's finding that like that stepping stone for them to get involved with the plants whether it's something from their kitchen or something from their garden um, and it's just uh yeah once like I said earlier you know for me it's once you start to tip your toe in these things and realize oh when I have a cold the ginger actually is really helping it's not just a sort of placebo thing mm -hmm. it's a snowball and then what else can I what other herbs can I start to work with to help me with various different things I'm dealing with and you know? I think as well it's like definitely in Ireland anyway it's like a trust issue it's like mm -hmm. oh we look at the ditches and the lawns as places that we must tidy and like we don't look at them as in a source of nutrition or food or health. And then we go to the shop and we trust the shop. We trust the shop. And I'm like, why are we trusting the shop? Like we have no power. 
we didn't forage it we didn't find it we didn't even it's not even real you know it's yeah, like it's so true it's it's like it's the disconnect a disconnect it's you know crazy. Yeah. Even for yeah. me, like I find like if I haven't seen the plant in its original form, I even have a certain distrust. Like when I see turmeric powder, I'm like, OK, like where did that come from now? You know, yeah. or cinnamon powder. I'm like, yeah. I haven't seen the plant, though. You know, like it's it helps yeah. me to feel trust when I see the actual plant, you know, when I see its original form. Um, yeah. Yeah. Then I go on. Um, about these plants particularly those ones that people feel like they're really familiar with because they know what cinnamon tastes like you know but I'll sh always show a picture of the tree and what it looks like if you if you haven't ever seen a cinnamon tree anyone watching this just google cinnamon trees and you'll see it's crazy like these trees and their bark is all just stripped away and it's like really sad it actually breaks my heart a little bit but you know at the same time it's something people have access to so I do talk about it because it's a good like I said sort of stepping stone but it's really important to um, yeah bridge that gap if we're people who are interested in plants and interested in stuff that's growing around us it's really good to know what the tree looks like that you're you're using your your cinnamon powder from or say for example ginger we're so familiar with that rhizome but if you show most people a ginger plant they wouldn't know what it looks like and it's actually really easy to grow ginger plants in the house you can actually just get if it's organic a rhizome the root thing they call it a rhizome and you just pop it in some soil and I like to put like a kind of a plastic bag over it to keep it warm but you keep it in a really warm place in the house and it starts to shoot up these beautiful leaves and everything so it's yeah it's just cool a different way of working with these plants you know wonderful wow mm. and you see like even in Ireland like I have a neighbor there and she's growing like all exotic plants in the garden she's got an avocado tree bigger than her house now and it's outdoors what? it's outdoors and she's oh. like oh I had to trim it back it got so big and I was like what I was like and other exotic things as well like peach trees yeah. and all sorts and kiwi yeah. trees and I'm just like mesmerized at what we can even grow here you know <laughs> totally totally yeah there's so many I, different opportunities I've been doing the watermelon diaries the last few years now like I just go mad finding like funny things to grow and I've been growing I got really obsessed with watermelons like I got snake melons and watermelons and like then I'd like take videos of me like cutting the watermelons and like people were like no way and I was like yes way it was like amazing wow that's so cool I love that amazing. yeah do you know that we can actually grow that here you know mm -hmm. yeah um yeah um and for anybody who um does want to help nature or help all of our little herbs is there any tips you might give mm, um I think a really big one is um for people who have gardens is to stop using any kind of herbicides or pesticides they're just so problematic for our health in general but also obviously for the plants that they're killing um, and for the wildlife that they're um you know the insects and just higher up the food chain and hedgehogs and everything you know it's um a lot of the time I think there is again that disconnect I see it with people who buy organic food but still buy things like slug killers and all sorts of various things that they put around their garden and it's just really confusing but um it happens a lot so that's a big one is to um just make sure you're you're not harming the environment with these 
when you're trying to grow, you know, an exotic avocado tree, <laughs> which is really cool. Um, if someone's doing that with loads of herbicides and pesticides, it's going to cause a lot of problems. Um, it's a big thing I see in my clinic, uh, this um, big word of uh, xenoestrogens, which is basically endocrine disrupting chemicals. They're in plastic um, and so many other things like, you know, dryer sheets you put in your dryer and fake tan and a lot of makeup and hair products and um, but also heavily in, in pesticides and um, herbicides. So that's a big one um, to avoid them as much as possible. But after that, um, I think just starting to, you know, when you're going for a walk, starting to take a bit more notice in the little things that are growing around you, you know, and, and pick one or two plants that stand out to you. They might be in your garden or they might be on your, you know, regular walk that you do around your area or something. Just start to notice these plants and then start to get to know them a little bit. And it's building up that little relationship. You know, it could be buying a little mint plant in little and having it in your house and kind of, starting to maybe sit and have a meditation with it or sing to it or something you know? and is that um, the same for you know the way you're saying with the pot and the boiling water you do that with the mint as well yeah so the really good question and um, the decoction is really just for um roots and barks and berries okay so any kind of leaf or flower you're best off doing i use these sort of french press things because you can have the lid on it and you can just put your fresh plant material. I've got fresh and dried in the one mix here. Yeah. Um, and um, you have the lid on it. So just put in boiling water with that or even kind of not even fully boiling water, just hot water. It depends on each plant. Um, but really, yeah, hot water, just like you'd make it a cup of tea and you can make it in there. Um, so, yeah, the decoction is just for the kind of hardier bit um okay. materials because the the 10 15 minutes of boiling helps to extract more of the phytochemicals mm -hmm. and do you know like yeah, the, ber the berries then blackberries blueberries raspberries would you classify them as herbs as well um it depends it really depends i think all foods can potentially be herbs or <laughs> food you know you could put them in either yeah. category and um, for example with raspberries raspberry leaf is used medicinally rather mm. than the raspberries themselves so like mm. The kind of distinction, it's easy to say with something like garlic, say, where, you know, you could, you but most people add it to their food all the time, but you can use it medicinally as a herb. Yeah. Even though it's also a food. So with raspberries, I mean, like, I don't know, I craved raspberries all throughout my pregnancy. I ate nearly two punnets a day. The amount of money I spent on raspberries, I just, you know, if only I had been growing them. I was mad for them. And then one of my herbalist friends said, hey, that makes sense. And I was like, oh yeah, raspberry leaf is like really good in pregnancy too. Wow. but so obviously my body was craving them in a sort of medicinal way mm. um, but it wouldn't be raspberries wouldn't be necessarily something you would think to use as a herbal medicine yeah. necessarily whereas we would use the leaf more so so it depends like whereas then something like elderberries obviously a herbal medicine hawthorn berries um and um you know blackberries blackberry leaf is used more in herbal medicine as well it's a really good astringent for diarrhea and um things like that um yeah it varies <laughs> mm, it's interesting yeah. um cool and would you like to maybe let people know kind of what kind of offerings you have or if they'd like yes. to find you 
That's really, yes, that would have been a really good thing for me to say into your last question about people who want to, <laughs> want to get in and learn in, learn about these kind of things. I do have a free class that's available for, for everyone who's watching um, about the magical plants of Ireland. So we cover eight different plants that are growing around, um, around us here in Ireland. But, you know, even for people who are listening who aren't from Ireland, it amazes me how many of our native plants are native all over the world. <laughs> you know, that's what's great about these sort of weedy plants that we use as herbs like nettles, um, dandelion, yarrow, um, mugwort, daisies. I can't even remember what else is in there, but they're really some just gorgeous plants that are definitely plantain growing all over. Um, so that's a really nice way to, I suppose, dip your toe in a, in a herbal world as well, because then you have an idea of, oh, look, this is what, you know, maybe I might want to take nettles for or use dandelion for. And then, you know, they're easy to identify ones that people can start getting to know them that way. Um, so, yeah, I'll give you the link for that and you can um, share it with people. And um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. My my business name and Instagram name is Nerdy Naturopath. And um, I'm quite active on there at the moment. I'm I'm putting a lot of effort into it. <laughs> so um, I'm on there a good bit and I do share a lot of really, I think, valuable um, educational info. And I have a show every Monday at one o'clock. It, at, so far it's at one o'clock every Monday and we'll see time might change so <laughs> check out my page but um, all of the past episodes are up there too and just nice conversations about plants and more free education I suppose so um, and then if anyone is interested in, in working with me I see my clients for the most part online I live here in East Clare and I have a clinic in my house so people can come and see me in person um, but I do most of my clients um, online now um, I see them on, online and then I ship ship herbal remedies out to them or teach them how to make their own remedies with what they have growing around them. So um, if anyone wants to learn more about that, you can send me an email at hello at nerdynaturopath.com. My website is nerdynaturopath.com. So it's, yeah, <laughs> lots of places. Mm, lovely. Um, that's wonderful, isn't it? All the different Actually, options. I have another plug that I, I should put in there. I do have a six week online herbal medicine training, which is um, it's ongoing. So you can join whenever. And um, we do one live class every quarter and there's there's six weeks of um, herbal classes. So we do a week for the immune system, a week for digestion, um, a week for the menstrual cycle and a week for the nervous system. And then a sort of general week about herbs. And um, there's a, a live Q&A class as well so that's another opportunity to I suppose, learn more about herbs yeah and I think the menstrual cycle is like really important and great that you're teaching it because on a global scale like that is like a pandemic in itself with people becoming sterile and we becoming sterile as a species of what we're doing to the soil and it's like it's funny because even when I think of my own menstrual cycle, like mine is now like on point, like it's amazing. Like it's so synced and all the issues I had before, like when I was doing a different lifestyle, like running around and whatever I was doing, traveling here, there and everywhere, it was all off center, you know, like I was not respecting my body's rhythm and I didn't know like what was happening on day 14. I had no idea. And yeah. like all symptoms, you know, soreness and, like everything and now like I yeah no I feel a bit anxious and it kind of just comes and I'm like oh this is amazing like the more we actually respect the rhythm of the body and I know like I feel honored that I can live quite wildly with nature but it's like the more we can actually sync up to what the body needs and her rhythm 
like the more mm. respect we get back because when we don't she she doesn't behave well like you know yeah she's totally. like hey oh, you're not listening to me I'm gonna give you another lesson <laughs> you know 100%. and it's sometimes it's the simplest things like um like you say of just having a, a general rhythm in life like the, I had really irregular periods growing up and when I went that time I went to India I did this really intense kind of uh, three month long course where every day we had food at the same time every day we did yoga at the same time and every day we were outside for the same amount of time like it was really structured and it was the first of my life I had perfectly regular cycles and no period issues and it was nothing else I was doing I mean I suppose I was exercising and eating well and um, but I wasn't even particularly using herbs it was that just that simple thing of having a daily rhythm which um I find really hard I don't do it anymore you know Mm. but sometimes it's just there's so many different things that can help you know and that's what I love about being a naturopath is having the you know that sort of bigger picture of um you know the herbs are amazing allies to help people on their healing journey but so much of it is making those different lifestyle changes um to help bring the body back into balance as you say you know Mm. yeah definitely um yeah and I think for me it was stress like that's what was sending it away you know stress exercising and competitions and stress and it's like you know we really need to honor the feminine body you know like sometimes I'm like you know when I see the guys doing different sports and I want to do it and I I just can't and now I've actually come to a place of acceptance and that's like been like life-changing to be like oh I can't actually go out there and surf today just because all the guys are out there like I I just can't Mm. like I need to respect my body and then in a week I'll be flying and and energized and you know but it's been a real journey like to really respect it you know yeah Yeah, just that that first bit of awareness is um yeah it's so huge isn't it and yeah yeah so great that so many of us are talking about it more now I know it's like let's talk about periods come on like we all not we all have them but like like a lot of us are having them, you know, us, and we need yeah. to break the stigma, you know. Yeah, I do have another page on Instagram that's called Siobhan Talks Periods. Okay. Um, and I have a weekly blog. I work with a herbal medicine company called A. Vogel and I write a weekly blog for them about periods. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, yeah, loads of loads of stuff about periods over there on Siobhan Talks Periods. And there's a YouTube channel with loads of videos. So yeah, if you want to oh, learn more about fun. periods, go over to that page as well. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. We love learning about periods. Um, <laughs> thank you, Siobhan, for coming on. Um, I'll link oh, up yeah. your Instagram and stuff. And um, yeah, thank you, folks, for tuning in this week. Um, I hope you enjoyed. Give it a share um, if you benefited. And thank you to the patrons so much for supporting every month. Um, and if you can support my nature mission, please go on to Patreon um slash catch caught and we'll chat to you all soon long